Thank you for coming. We are glad you are here. Amen. My wife and I had and I had the privilege week before last of being in Dallas, Texas, and we got to hear some of the greatest speakers that you will hear. Uh, most of us know of or her have heard Tony Evans, which was just very outstanding, very outstanding. But uh, one of the speakers was uh, Lindy Phillips, and he was as good as anyone there. I haven't laughed so much in I don't know when. He will, and he preaches God's word, and he's just he's just great. And uh, he will share his laugh more, stress less philosophy. It works. It's biblical, and uh, you will want to be here next Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning, boy, Lindy Phillips. We. Hope that you'll be here. If you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand, and I want you to have one. They'll make sure that you get one. Each, if, if you do not have an outline. <clears throat> I want to make sure you get one. A bricklayer in the French West Indies sent this letter to his boss explaining why he needed to take some sick leave. I arrived at the job after the storm, checked the building out, and saw that the top needed repairs. I rigged a hoist and a boom attached to a rope, attached a barrel, and pulled bricks to the top. When I pulled the barrel to the top, I secured the rope at the bottom. After repairing the building, I went back to fill the barrel with the leftover bricks. I went down and released the rope to lower the bricks. And the barrel was heavier than I and jerked me off the ground. And he says, I decided to hang on. Halfway up, I met the barrel coming down and received the blow to my shoulder. I hung on and went to the top where I hit my head on the boom and caught my fingers in the pulley. In the meantime, the barrel hit the ground and burst open, throwing the bricks all over everywhere. This made the barrel lighter than I, and I started down at high speed. Halfway down, I met the barrel coming up and received a blow on my shin. I continued down and fell upon the bricks, receiving cuts and bruises. At this time, I must have lost my presence of mind because I let go. <laughs> I let go of the rope and the barrel came down and hit me on the head. I respectfully request sick leave. I don't know whether you've had a day like that or not, but sometimes, sometimes there are just days like that that you have. I hope your day this week, none of the days have been like that. For the last several weeks, we have been on the power of song. The series is God Gave a Song. We looked at the first song in the Bible, the first song in the Bible. 
And uh, it was a song where Moses and Miriam and the children of Israel, they sung just a great song. We walked through that song and they praised the Lord because God had delivered them from the hands of their enemy, Pharaoh. Then we walked over to the last song, and we went over to the last song of the Bible. It also, Revelation, it also is the song of Moses. And this is the song of the Lamb. Great message. Uh, then we talked about maintaining a spirit-filled flow in your life. Uh, we talked about the song of battle, which was, I think, just a great sermon, the Song of Battle. It was about Jehoshaphat and how that he set the choir in front of the army as they went out to defeat the Amorites, the Moabites, and Mount Seir. How that they were able to be victorious in battle by singing a song, by singing songs, by worshiping God. It, there is power in worshiping God. Amen. Great, great story of the king of Judah. So we, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, a, it was a song of battle. This morning we have the song of breakthrough. The song of breakthrough. The next time I preach it will be the song of birthing, which I think is the greater of the three uh, songs uh, that we will be sharing. The song of birthing is taken from the book of Isaiah chapter 54. You might want to read that chapter this week because it is a great, great message. Much of the church or many in the church are barren. They don't bring forth, if we're not careful, any fruit. But this is a song of birthing. And I believe that you will enjoy that. Today, the song of breakthrough, the series, God gave a song. We take our text from Acts chapter 16. Read with me, talking about the jailer in Philippi. Most of us or many of us have heard this story. But as I, as I have read this story, I have been impressed with how thorough Luke was in writing this great story. So listen and read along with me, if you will. Having received such a charge, who is that? The jailer. He put them, who it was? Paul and Silas. Great story behind why they were putting Paul and Silas in prison. They put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stock. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You know, we, I've read this many, many times, no doubt you have, and we've preached it, and we go from that, that one sentence that they put them in jail and put them in stocks. I uh, got to thinking about that, and... Uh, they were put, listen to this, they were severely beaten, beaten, they were fastened in stocks, they were in a dark, damp, stench-ridden, waste-polluted dungeon. I just don't want us to think, oh, they put them in prison, they sung a song, and they got out. Understand. 
I don't doubt that there were rats biting at their toes in this dark dungeon. And they were bleeding because they were whipped and no doubt their back and their body was throbbing with pain. So you got to understand, they weren't just sitting in church on Sunday morning or singing from the choir, or they weren't singing from, from a job somewhere. They were in a dark dungeon. They were in a prison, and they had suffered at the hands of their enemy. And here they are now. Notice what it says. They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened. Not just Paul and Silas, but all the prisoners' chains on their hands and their feet were loosened. And the keeper of the prison awakening from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now I got to thinking about, first of all, he'd lose his head if they caught him sleeping on the job. But he was asleep. And it says here the first thing he saw was the doors of the prison was open. Evidently, according to this, the way it sounds, he slept through the earthquake. Because the first thing he sees, he wakes up and the doors are all open. And he thought, hey, the prisoners have escaped and he was about to kill himself. Verse 28, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you, somebody say amen, and your household. Hallelujah. I love that. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. I mean, there's a whole lot. This is a wonderful story, a very colorful, powerful story. He runs in, falls down before Paul and Silas, and just said, what must I do to be saved? They spoke wonderful words to him. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He took them home, and he washed their stripes. He tended to them, and notice, and immediately he and all his family, they were baptized. They just didn't stop for that. It was important that he get baptized. It was important that Paul and Silas baptize in water this man. Verse 34. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. Wow. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Now I got to thinking about this in, 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 in detail. 
if you would read after this, the leaders, religious leaders, those that had Paul and Silas put in prison, found out that Paul was a citizen of Rome. And so they go to Paul and say, hey, time out, we're sorry. Because they could think themselves be killed for treating a citizen of Rome the way they treated Paul. So I was wondering how that jailer got out of trouble. Why didn't they take him after Paul and Silas and the prisoners were gone? Why didn't they take him and kill him? Because they were busy trying to save their hide. Very very interesting. Notice the introduction. Do you need a breakthrough? Notice what we say in the introduction. If so, you're not alone. We all have seasons when we've sown the seed. I love this. I just love this introduction. We all have seasons when we've sown the seed of God's word, tended it with faith and patience, and we know that harvest time is here. We perceive in our spirits that our, Galatians says, due season has come and it's time for us to be enjoying the fruit of our faith. Someone say amen. We've sown the seed. We've prayed. We've been faithful. We've waited. Now it's time to reap a breakthrough. And enjoy the fruit of our faith. Moving on to new places of God's plan for our lives. Oh, I feel that way. I believe that. Pastor, you're looking at the culture and society today, and you would say that you're looking for a breakthrough? I am. I am. I believe in God that God's going to give America a breakthrough. I believe that God's going to give the House of Congress a breakthrough. Now, that would be a miracle. But I believe in the God of miracles. We limit God in what we think he will or perhaps might do. But we need to look at God's word and God's promises and depend on that. I was praying and fasting this week concerning this sermon and the Lord just would not let it leave me that God was going to give a breakthrough. Listen to this, in our homes. In our homes. Over and over and over again, the Lord spoke that to me that there was going to be a breakthrough in our homes. If I'd ask you, don't raise your hand, but if I ask you to raise your hand, how many of us would confess, I need a breakthrough in my home? Oh, we need that breakthrough. How do I know it's coming? I think you are on the verge of a breakthrough in your life. Why? Look at Roman numeral number one. It's a promise, a breakthrough promise. The promise of universal blessing is fully and finally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I believe it because Jesus Christ came, he lived, 
he died, he rose, and his brother Larry, I was ready to go ahead and leave the church because he'd already preached a sermon. I was satisfied to go home. But listen, he, like brother Larry said, oh, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for us. It's one thing to have a dear saint of God intercede for you here. It's something else to have the Son of God sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. A promise is all you need. Numbers 23, 19. And you say, Brother Don, is it going to happen? Listen to what Numbers said. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he, has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? He said it. The devil says you can't have a breakthrough. That's not what God said. The devil says you can't have victory. That's not what God said. God gives Victory. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, and the glory of God through us. I looked at the message on this verse. Listen, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. <laughs> That's shouting words. Whatever God has promised, Gets the yes stamped with Jesus. Yes, he says, yes, in the name of Jesus, you are ready and are going to have a breakthrough. The late, the, and then 2 Peter 1, 4. By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. What? The divine nature of God, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Wow. The believer, listen at this, has the promise of Abraham. You ever studied the promises of Abraham? The covenant of Abraham, the blessings that was going to come on this great, great patriarch, this great man of faith. Well, listen to what the Bible says. And then, Galatians 3 and 9, and then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ. You and I are Gentiles in Christ. And the same blessings that were promised to Abraham, God, have mercy upon us. Those same blessings come upon each and every believer. Let me say it again that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, and it's through faith, through faith. And then verse 29, and if you are Christ, possessive, if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. Look at your neighbor and say, you are Abraham's seed. Come on. You are Abraham's seed. Let it, let, it, let it be a, a statement of faith and, and, and trust in God. 
He says, and if you're Christ and you're Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Look at all of this. Not one jot, not one tittle, not one part of God's word shall ever pass away. But this shall come to pass. The believer has a covenant relationship with God. We're about to go into the study of Hebrews, which is going to be great. We're going to begin studying it soon on Wednesday night. Listen to this. Christ obtained a more excellent ministry. This is Hebrews 8, 6. He is mediator of a better covenant, even of the law. And he goes on to say, which is established upon better promises. Better covenant, better promises. Better covenant, better promises. Better covenant, better promises. It's better. That's what I like about God. If we're not careful, we're so busy and our minds get cluttered with things of the world and we forget the very promises of God and the faithfulness of God Almighty to keep those promises to his people. In 2020, not just 1950, not just back years ago. Someone says, I remember the old days. Listen, those promises are just as true and real Today. And they're to you and myself. You still have a praise because you have a promise. You still have a praise because you have a promise. Well, I don't know. You don't know how my week's been. Well, you can trust. Listen, has your week been as bad as Paul and Silas's? Have you been beaten? Is your back throbbing? Are rats gnawing at your toes? Is it stink? And st- Listen, can you imagine where they were? What the- and they started singing a song. They, first of all, they prayed. Oh, God. They might have prayed, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Lord, we need these reps or not, but give us this day our daily bread. On and on. I don't know what they prayed, but the Bible says they prayed. It was a powerful, no doubt, prayer. And then they said, Amen. 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 And they need a prison. Amen. Amen. They started humming the song. It might have been the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. My back is hurting. I don't feel good. I can't stand this spell. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. I don't know. But they prayed and sung. And the Bible says that they, the prisoners heard them singing. You have a praise because you have a promise. We cannot imagine all that God has in store for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Two, look at it. But it, as it is written, 
Fasten your seatbelts. These two verses will bless you. For as it, it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I know, Brother Dawn, he's prepared streets of gold gates of pearl and heaven for us and all of these and listen it's not just talking about heaven here listen at it let me read it again i has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which god has prepared for those who love him <clears throat> but god has revealed them to us through the spirit that for the spirit searches all things yes the deep things of god the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I believe that God wants us to live in abundance. I heard a message many, 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 many years ago. Longer than, the, than here I would ever want to say. It was preached by David Smith. It was on abundance. I got it off the CD and I preached it the way it should have been preached. I'm just kidding. He uh, just a fantastic minister on abundance. God wants us to have an abundant life. John 10, 10, what does it say? For I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. God has promised it. But now wait, here's, here is the secret. Pressing breakthrough is a product of pressing. We're not going to tiptoe through the tulips and get a blessing from God. We're not going to just come haphazardly walking in. We're not just going to go to the altar and say, now lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. Good night, Lord. Turn on the television. Oh, we're going to watch. We pray two. We pray one minute and watch two hours of TV. Don't you get mad at me. There's going to be some pressing. Are you willing to press? Now, I'm going to make a statement that's going to be one of the most important statements I make, I'll make. Some have the idea that all good things will come automatically in the timing of God. I lived much of my life that way. I got saved when I was nine. I knew I was serving God. I knew God was going to bless me, and I just went right on down the road believing that. That's true. You and I are automatically blessed because we're believers, because we're Christians. But there comes times, if you want that breakthrough, you got to go that extra mile. you got to pray that extra prayer. You're going to have to do some pressing through. We must create our breakthrough by pushing beyond Satan's resistance. You know that philosophy that we serve God and good things are automatically going to happen to us? That would automatically happen and we wouldn't have to break through. But there's a devil out there and he knows you are serving God and he's going to do everything he can to stop you from getting your breakthrough. So we got to 
Roll up our sleeves. Listen to what the Bible says. Matthew 11 and 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Jack Hayford is as good on this. I've read so many commentaries on it. And, and some understand this verse. Some don't understand this verse. But listen. It says we enter the kingdom of God by violent determination. How long has it been since the church in these days have got really just downright determined? Great determination. Lord, I'll spend an extra hour after church on Sunday morning. That don't, that don't go over too good. Lord, I'll go to church and pray on Friday night. Whatever. I, I'm, I'm just saying. We're going to have to pray. The violent take it by force. Determine. Uh, what he says is to be aggressive about serving Christ. Get aggressive. Get as excited over serving God as, as anything else in the world. We get so excited over ball games, and that's nothing wrong with that. But the most exciting thing that... For us ought to be serving God. I'm going to get down to business with God. Jacob said, God, you're going to bless me. And the angel said, let me go. And Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. There's times that we need to wrestle with God. We don't like the wrestling. We like the easy going. We want to come in and have an hour of service and have the preacher to preach a little sermonette and pray a prayer and go to our favorite place to eat. There are times, folks, we wrestle. Be aggressive about serving God. Have a keen enthusiasm. Have a keen enthusiasm. Get serious about serving. Look at, look at, look at Luke 16. Often the Bible explains itself and reveals the truth. You look at that verse, Matthew eleven twelve, 12, and you say, God, what are you really saying there? I believe it's saying what Jack Hayford says it's saying. But look at Luke chapter 16 and verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. I like what the message says here. God's law and prophets climaxed in John. That's a good word. And ever since then, God's people, people that have been convicted, people that need to be redeemed, have pressed their way in. We'll go to a church. Sir. I, I, I remember when people cried their way through around the altar. There was an old saying, Brother Dan, we used to say about going to the altar and holding on to the horns of the That's an Old Testament expression. You can study that, the horns of the altar. Holding on to the horns of the altar. 
and you'd go to the altar. I'm not saying you've got to do certain things that we did back then, but I believe there needs to be precedent. You'd go to the altar. People would gather around you, and every once in a while you'd hear two or three say, Hold on! It won't long after that you'd hear somebody say, Turn loose! You say, my God, I don't know whether to hold on or turn loose, but I hold Jesus. And whatever it takes, I'm going to stay here, God, until you bless me. I'm going to stay here until you... That's what Jacob said. I'm going to stay here. And Paul and Silas said, I don't care. Yeah, we've been beaten. Yeah, we've been mistreated. Yeah, we're hurting. It's not necessarily a pleasant time to sing. But Silas, could you be like Denny standing? Could you sing? Could you sing in a harmonizing part with me? I'll lead it. Silas looks over at Paul and said, Paul, I'd be glad to sing tenor for you, with you. You just started off, and I'll sing tenor. And so they started singing. I, again, I don't know what. But they started singing. They started going through the bars, the sides of the dungeon. It was dark. But all of a sudden, the prisoners perked up their ears. What is that? You know, I've been here for weeks and months. To be honest with you, I've been here for years. I've never heard anything like that. I've never heard anything like that. There's an anointing that goes when you begin to sing the songs of Zion. When you begin to worship God, it invites the presence of the Lord. He says, I inhabit the praises of my people. I live is what it says in the praises of my people. The real translation there says, I draw up a chair and I sit down. I draw up a chair and I sit down in the presence of a praising people. Something wonderful happens. And they sung the songs and they began to vibrate against the wall. It was more than just a natural singing. It was a, an anointed singing. And those prisoners heard it and they sat there in that darkness and the songs got louder and more anointed. And the Spirit of God began to move in that prison dungeon. And all of a sudden, the floor started shaking. The walls started shaking. The bars started shaking. Where are my chains? I could move my feet. The blood circulation had stopped. My blood is flowing once again through my 
things. What's going on? What's going on? It was a mighty power of God because those two men pressed through. They didn't feel like it. Let me tell you, you sing when you don't feel like it. You praise when you don't feel like it. We must create our breakthrough by pushing out. Paul knew what it was to press. Look at the amplified version of Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 and 14 through 14. Not Paul said that I already obtained. It is this goal of being Christ-like or have already been made perfect, but I actively press. Oh, I press, Brother Don. I pressed yesterday for five minutes. I pressed day before yesterday for 10 minutes. He said, I actively. It's an ongoing thing. There was a saying we used to have years ago, you go pray until you pray through. You go pray until you pray through. But Brother Don, I've been so discouraged. I know another person that got real discouraged. It was the prophet Elijah. He got so discouraged and he just wanted to give up. And he was praying to God and he said, God, I'm the only one that's not bowed my knees to Baal. I've served you. I've been your prophet. God tapped him on the shoulder and said, wait a minute, Elijah. And I love this word. Listen to this word. He said, I have reserved. I have reserved 7,000 that's not bowed their knees to Baal. Let me tell you, God's got reserved people in this church. God's got reserved people. I don't down at, doubt it down at Jeff at Rose of Sharon's church. God's got reserved people in the White House. God's got reserved people in the congressional place. I believe God's got some reserved people on the Supreme Court. I believe there's some reserved people in some of these dead churches. I hear them. They talk to me. I don't know how many people say, I'm so tired of this. They don't say it this way, but that's what they mean. I'm so tired of this dead church. I go Sunday after Sunday, don't see nothing happen. Elijah, I got 7,000 reserved that have not bowed their knees to Baal. Don't you think you're the only one? And we look at this culture, we look at television, we look at Hollywood, we look at politics, and we think, my God, everybody's going against God. Oh, no, they're not. God's always has, has had his remnant. He's always had his people. And throughout the history, the devil is trying to kill Man, destroy the church. Esther was saved for a time like this to preserve. <laughs> God ain't going to let his name be wiped off the face of the earth. He's going to have that one in prison. He's going to have those in China. That's locked in stock, 
that's being beat, that's being murdered. He's going to have those in the Middle East that'll be glad to give their life to God and lose their head. God's going to preserve his thousands. Don't you, don't you dare let the devil tell you that God don't have his remnant. He does. I got to go. I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up. Let me read. I, I want to read Luke 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been, well, notice the two Ps, has been preached and, it's, and the kingdom is pressed into It's preaching and pressing. Preaching and pressing. Go ahead, start preaching and pressing. Start telling them about Jesus and pressing. Witness for the Lord. Someone say, hey, you don't want to hear nothing about God? How do you know? You pray before you leave the house. You pray and you say, God, make that heart right with you. I got in a taxi in, in Dallas, Texas two weeks ago, and the guy said he was a Muslim, and I said, I'm going to witness to that man. I was sitting in the back seat. I leaned over the front seat, and I got to talking about Jesus, and the more I talked about Jesus, the more he opened up, and I got a chance to witness to that man like I haven't witnessed in a long time. It don't matter. If God can melt the heart of Nebuchadnezzar, that wicked, vile king, and make him get on his knees and recognize the almighty God, he can touch a Muslim in a taxi. Oh God. You got chains? He's a chain. If you're bound, he's a, he's a way maker. If you're here today and you're ready for your breakthrough, I want you to believe God for it. Not because of Brother Don, not because this is a great church, but because God Almighty has promised it to you. Hallelujah. You said, I don't know about that. Well, Abraham was 100 years old. He ain't got no child. God said, you're going to have one. Oh, but look what's happened. He ain't got one yet. Look at Sarah. She's past her years. She's 99 years old. Quit crying and belly aching because there's a child on the way. Hallelujah. God is going to make a way. You could try everything in the world to be free. You can go to any church. You can listen to any preacher. You can watch any pro. You can do anything in the world. But until you make up in your mind, until we all make up in our mind to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, that we'll confess our sins. Father, forgive me. The Bible says, in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is nothing, listen to me, there is nothing like repenting before Jesus and having the blood of Jesus Christ to flood your life and your sins washed away. There is nothing like it. 
making you a candidate for heaven, making you a son or a daughter of God. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in this world, I'll be ashamed of you when we stand before the Lord, or the Father. Don't be ashamed. Don't let pride, don't let fear stop you from going all the way. You may have to press through. You may not feel like, I don't want nobody to, no. I want you to press through. And I want you to let God touch your life. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. You lift that hand and say, Preacher, I know I need a touch from God. Slip up that hand. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. All over the building. Come on. God bless you. I see those hands. There are others. Preacher, I'm not ashamed. I, I, want, I want God to touch my life. Lift up that hand in Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, Father... I thank you for everyone that came to this church today. I know you've done a work in their lives. And Lord, as we reach out to you, you reach back to us. You'll be that friend that we sung about today. You are our friend. You're not our enemy. You love us. Lord, there's no greater love than for a man to lay down his life. And Father, your Son, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for every individual in this church today. Let that person know that will call on you now. Repent of their sins. And simply say, forgive me. Exercise faith in their heart. But they've passed from death unto life. In Jesus' name we pray.